If you would take your copy of the scriptures, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. Would you pray with me? God, our Master, our Father, the one who has lavished his love upon us. We come before you now, before your throne. Lord, I feel the weight of that as I stand here. Who is adequate for such a task as this? Not I, Lord. I pray that you would use your word in our lives that it would be a living and active sword that pierces into our hearts. And that by piercing it, our hearts would overflow with joy, seeing your glory. Lord, may your spirit work within us May your word work within us tonight. Give me your words to say. May your greatness, may your majesty be made evident. Pray this in your son, Jesus Christ, his holy name. Amen. I want to start off with a quote from a Puritan named Sir Richard Baker. He says this concerning the church. His tabernacles did but serve to show his power. His courts but to show his majesty. His altars but to show his deity. His house serves to show them all. For in his house there will still be praising him, and his praise and glory is the sum of all. That last phrase is my prayer tonight. His praise and glory would be the sum of everything that makes us the church. Our passage from Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4 We're going to be looking at verses 15 and 16 specifically tonight. These two verses are drenched in truth of ecclesiology. A simple way to say this is that this is a passage about the church. Believers of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot escape the fact that they are part of the church. 
And this is expressed as local congregations come together to worship him. The church called the body of Christ, and rightly so, because we are connected to him through his death and resurrection, having been given life and made new. And now we are connected together as one. This body, this church, is an anomaly today in our culture. We live in an independent society, a place where we are told to make something of ourselves, a place where we are told to be our own boss, a place where the chorus goes, I did it my way. People applaud self-sufficiency and autonomy. Dependence is seen as weakness. Reliance is only something for the down and out. We as the church must remember that we are a dependent people. We cannot do it on our own. In fact, left to our own devices, we realize that there will only be a destruction and despair My prayer is that this passage will expand and strengthen our view of the church. And not just the church that lives in this world, but this local body of believers, believers' fellowship. This message will be made up of three parts. I'll give you these ahead of time so you can see where we are going. Three parts. Part one, we will address how do we speak the truth in love. What does this look like in our lives? This will come from the first part of verse 15. Part 2 will be this. Speaking the truth in love results in the body of Christ becoming like Christ. This will be seen in the second half of verse 15. Part 3 we will talk about speaking the truth and love results in the body of Christ becoming unified. We'll see this from verse 16. From the outset, I want us to understand that tonight we are going to be talking about the sanctification and the unity of the body of Christ through speaking the truth in love. And it's then our responsibility to follow this command, to speak the truth in love, so that we might push people towards sanctification and unity. Part one, how do we speak the truth in love? What does this look like? I find that as I read these words, speaking the truth in love, it seems to be something very simple. Yet, as I try to understand what this looks like in life, it's something that is more difficult. It's easier said than done. And first, understanding what these words mean. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking is an action. It's communication that is done toward someone else. You can't fulfill this action with your mouth closed. You can't fulfill this action by yourself. Naturally, it calls you out to other people to engage them in conversation. What makes up the content of what we say to one another? Truth. Literally, if we looked at the, the Greek, it would read that we need to be truthing it. Our communication is based on truth. And it's not just telling the truth. It's truth with a capital T. It's truth which comes directly from the word of God. The only other place where this word, truth, speaking the truth, is used is in Galatians 2.5. And there it is linked directly to gospel truth. If we are to take this gospel truth 
and let it saturate our speech. It must come from a heart that is saturated by the gospel truth. You are not going to be able to speak the truth if the truth is not in you. The word of Christ must dwell in you richly. If you are trusting that this word of God is going to have an impact upon other people, it first must have an impact upon you. It says in Matthew, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, if the word of God dwells in us richly, in our hearts abundantly, then let that come out of our mouths abundantly. Tell them the truth through your words. We are called to speak the truth, the gospel truth, the word of God into other people's lives. The sound doctrine of our words should bring healing and refreshment to their lives. Verse 15 in Ephesians starts with this word, rather, speaking the truth in love. Why does it say rather? This is a contrast that's being made. If we look back to verse 14, we see the problem because there are... uh, Paul calls us not to be children tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. We are to speak the truth in love because it will cause people not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It protects people from being deceived. A community who is speaking the truth in love is going to fortify hearts from from deception and destruction and ultimately from sin. We must let the word of God work in people and renew them and change them. For it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see the power which such speech has. What a work God can do through us as we speak the truth to people. We are His instruments, using His word to accomplish His work. What I love about This, what I love about speaking the truth in love, speaking this way, points people to the greatness of God, to the glory of Christ, to the majesty of His might, the splendor of His salvation, and the brightness of His holiness. Speaking the truth in love is pointing people toward Christ. If truth is the content of of our speech. Love is to be the spirit of our speech. Love is the key component of how our truth should come across to other people. This is not sappy sentimentalism, romantic love. No, it's self-sacrificing, giving, compassionate, careful thoughtful, and gracious love. Our truth is described as gospel truth. Our love then should only pattern gospel love. It is the love of Christ we give out as we speak the truth to others. One commentator says, Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. We are speaking the truth in love because we genuinely care about the spiritual life of the church. We genuinely care about other people's growth in the faith. 
We want to see them grow and mature. And if this is to happen, we must put off pride. We do not fulfill this command so that we look good or that we gain recognition. We obey Christ because we love Christ and we love his body, the church. It's not about what we get out of it. It's not about us as we speak the truth in love. It's about wanting to see other people be affected by this truth so that they grow up into Christ. We'll get there in one second. Speaking the truth in love is a present active verb. It's something that is to be done continually. We are doing this all the time. Speaking the truth in love must be then connected with how we live. If we are to speak the truth in love to people, but our lives do not exemplify the truth in love, we do not fulfill this command. If our lives are authentic, not perfect, we're the first to admit that this is not, we're not perfect people, but if it is authentic, and if it is willing to say that we forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead, we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we have this kind of life, then we will speak the truth in love. Then we will want to get into people's lives with the word of God. Speaking the truth in love is lived out in the conversations we have with other people. Members of the body of Christ must be ready and willing to have deep conversations. Conversations that center around Jesus Christ and the cross. Conversations that push people to think biblically. Conversations that deal with sin. Conversations which give hope in the midst of despair. Conversations which encourage people. Conversations which, which seek real heart change. Are these the kind of conversations that we are having in the midst of this body? I hope so. My prayer is that this is so. Another way we, we can look at this, speaking the truth in love, is simply biblical counseling and in an informal setting. Counseling is the church because we are commanded to speak the truth in love. We are commanded to be a part of each other's lives. Speaking the truth in love is ministry. And these two components, truth and love, are like the one-two punch by which God can effectively display His glory and grace to the church. And He calls us to this. He calls us to do this. So, speak the truth in love tonight after the service. Speak the truth in love when you meet someone for coffee this week. Speak the truth in love when you call someone on the phone this week. Speak the truth in love when you see someone in the supermarket. Speaking the truth in love is going to take preparation and it's going to take precision on your part. You must prepare your heart with the word of God to let it affect someone else's heart. You must be able to listen to someone else's life so that you are able to use the word in a precise way which is meaningful to them. It's also going to take a meek and humble heart. A meek and humble heart. You might have to think ahead about what you're going to say and how you are going to say it. 
And of course, your heart is going to have to be filled with the Word of God to speak it effectively. But the results of this are tremendous. How about this? Speak the truth in love at home this week. You want to speak the truth in love to the people in the church? A good place to start is speaking the truth in love to your husband or to your wife or to your children. And oftentimes, they're the ones who will quickly tell you if you're not speaking the truth in love. Good place to practice. How does your speech, what you say, the overflow of your life, line up with this command? That's part one. Part two, speaking the truth in love results in the body of Christ becoming like Christ. I want you to look at the second part of verse 15. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Let your eyes roll over those words. What could possibly excite you more than this? What brings you more joy than this thought? What is it that you would rather think about than this idea? Through speaking the truth in love, we become like Christ. We grow up into Him who is the head, into Christ. We are being transformed into His image. If there is a greater goal or a greater desire in your life than this, something is terribly, terribly wrong. What is wrong if this is not the greatest goal in your life? What is wrong if this is not the greatest desire and you call yourself a Christian? If this does not excite us and impassion us, we have become too familiar with the love of Christ. We have lost sight of the glory of Christ. We have forgotten the majesty and the splendor of Christ. We have traded his beauty of holiness for temporal gain. For the believer, what is better than to grow up into Jesus Christ. Does that excite you? When you read those, do you, does every fiber of your being say, yes, that's what I want. Give me that. Make me like Christ. And then I will be satisfied. As our communication follows the imperative to speak the truth in love, we as the body of Christ grow up. We mature. Just as a child grows up and gains more understanding and insight, so we gain more understanding and insight of God, of Jesus Christ, of the life that we are to live. And we become more like Christ who is the head the goal of sanctification is put before us. It's nothing less than Jesus Christ himself being completely pure as he is pure. This maturity says it happens in every way. We grow up in every way. Very inclusive statement in every way we grow up into Christ the authentic communication which is to take place in the body is not profitable for certain areas but is profitable for all areas of life it transforms the whole heart to bring it into the likeness of Christ it is moving us toward full maturity Galatians 4.19 says, 
my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. We want Christ to be formed in us. We want Christ to be formed in other people. 1 John 2.6 whoever says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Christ is our authoritative leader as the head of the body. We have to submit every area of our life to him and to his authority. If, it, if, if we are going to be changed into the likeness of Christ, we must be subject to him as the head. He has the controlling power and we seek to be obedient to his word and to his will. He is to have first place in our hearts which will pour out in our words and in our actions. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Here we see this sanctification. We are made like the head of the body, Jesus Christ. Sanctifies us because it brings us closer to the holiness of Christ. It sanctifies us because it holds us accountable to the authority of Christ as the perfect head. And I believe that speaking the truth in love reminds us as a body continually of our first love. And it's this love which must grip our hearts. He is the head of the body. Just as our bodies would be dead if our heads were severed from them, so we are dead if we are severed from Christ. But we're not separated. We're joined to him. In fact, Christ is our life. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is he who we grow up into. It is he who we follow. It is he who we worshiped. And being transformed in this way into his image is a great form of worship. This section should motivate us to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It motivates us to live authentic lives. It motivates us because we see it pushes us towards the greatest and most glorious goal, and that is Christ Jesus himself. If it is your desire that the body of Christ has Christ formed in them, you will speak the truth in love. You will push them to grow in Christ. Do you have a desire to see people grow into Christ? I have a son who is only five months old. And I desire to see him grow up, not too fast, but every day I'm fascinated by how he is growing. I love to see the new things that he is doing, the new ways that he is expressing himself. And I look forward to the days ahead when I will be with him and watch him as he grows up and be with him there as he grows up and teach him as he grows up. Is this the same desire that we have for the church? We want to see each other grow up. We want to see each other mature. 
We want to see each other become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we're looking for ways that that is happening. Have you been looking for ways that people are growing? Have you been looking for ways that the body of Christ is maturing? Have you been looking for the grace of God in people's lives? This is why ecclesiology, this is why the church is important. Because God uses weak people, saved by grace, to speak the truth in love, so that his perfect strength might have an effect in lives and in souls. The dangers of this not happening are self-evident. Oh, that we would not lose sight of this glorious sanctification, which is ours because God has put us in the church. He has put us in His body. That ends part two. Part three, speaking the truth in love results in the body of Christ becoming unified. What I love about these three parts is that there is a great deal of overlap. There is a great link between them all. This point is only going to build off of the last point. And we will not understand this if we do not understand the importance of Jesus Christ being the head. Again, these truths look so simple written down. Let me just read verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Living in America, we have heard the phrase, united we stand, divided we fall. It's the basis for which our country was founded. We see the need for this unity in our country, and we have seen the damage that disunity can do. God has designed the church to be a unified body. It is necessary, it is a necessity that we are unified with one another. This means that we have to depend upon each other as we depend on Christ, the head. The world sees this kind of dependence, as I said before, as weakness. As something that should be avoided. But we see that this dependence only brings life. And I want us to look first at the first two words of verse 16. Verse 16, from whom? From whom? And these two words give us the source of unity. Where does unity within the body come from? It comes from the head. It comes from Christ. Some might say, well, doesn't this go against the last point, right? Speaking the truth in love results in the body of Christ becoming unified. I don't think so. I think that this only helps us realize that it's only by Christ that we can speak the truth in love. He is calling us to speak the truth in love, but the only way that we are able to speak the truth in love is by His grace in our lives. By Him working in us and His Word working in us. 
with Christ as the head of the body. He is working in hearts and lives to knit people together in the bond of unity. Within this part, I think there are three important truths that we must remember about ourselves as the body. First, we are to be focused on Christ. We are to be focused on Christ. As the body, we are focused on the head. We are focused on Him because He is the head. We are the body. It is He who unites us. It is He who transforms us. It is He who we cling to. He then must be our focus. It is He who has brought us together. And it is He who keeps us together. He is our focus. Just as our physical bodies gain direction from our head, so we, the body, gain direction from our head, Jesus Christ. He is calling the shots. He is our great shepherd who leads us and guides us. And if our eyes are not focused on him, we surely shall see problems. If Christ is our focus, we will focus on what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Being focused on anything other than, than anything else other than Christ only brings disunity. And what's the most dangerous thing for us to focus on other than Christ as a body? I think the most dangerous thing for us to focus on is our self. Is for me to think about me and for you to think about you. If we are only focused on ourself, we will only try to please ourself. We will only be looking out for our own interests, not the interests of others. We will love our body more than we love Christ's body. If we are focused on ourselves, ultimately we're worship, worship, worshiping ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves the head. We are not the head. I am not the head. Christ is the head. Our direction is gained from Christ as we have our hearts fixed directly upon our Lord. As the head, it is His agenda that we seek, not our own agenda. What advantage is it to be focused on Christ? Being focused on Christ brings Him glory and brings Him honor. We must seek these things before we seek anything else. Are we living this way? Do we think before we act? Is what I am about to do going to bring glory and bring honor to Jesus Christ? Is it only going to strengthen this body? Does my life completely reflect that I am focused on Him? We must be focused on Christ. Also, we, we must realize as a body that we have been fused together by Christ. Christ is the one who holds us together. It says, if we look in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. The words here describe something that is fitly joined together. Pieces that go together, that work together. They go together perfectly because that's, their, that's the way they're supposed to go together. In other words, we are held together. We are knit together. We have been compacted together. 
And we are continually being held together. We are continually being knit together as one body. We are continually being fused. He is the glue that makes us stick together. We do not conjure up togetherness for the sake of peace or the sake of politics or the sake of propaganda. No, it is Christ who keeps the various members of the body together for his sake and ultimately for his glory. And I find this fact amazing. Isn't it amazing that we have been fused together? Why is this such an amazing accomplishment? Simply because we are sinners. Left to our own devices, we bring disunity and chaos. But because Christ has saved us and brought us together and poured his love into our hearts and given us his spirit, we can say that it is amazing that he has fused us together, that he has brought us together, that he has knit us together. People who would have nothing to do with each other, with each other left on our own. People who would have nothing in common left to ourselves. But because of Jesus Christ, we have everything in common with each other. We, have, we have, must be focused on Christ. We have been fused together by Christ and we are also made functional in Jesus Christ Verse 16, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Because the body is focused, because the body has been fused together, it is also functional. It has a proper working order. Believers in the body have different gifts from the Lord. And all these gifts are important in the way the body functions, in the way the body works. It's functional because it has been equipped. Christ has equipped us to live within this body. And there are different parts in this body. There are different jobs. There are different functions that must happen in this body. Yet, what I find fascinating is how all these members have different gifts and different functions, yet the whole body is still moving in one continuous action forward toward the glory of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? How does it happen that there are all these different gifts and different ways that people are ministering and different ways that people are working, yet the whole body is still going forward toward Jesus Christ? This analogy of a body that Paul uses here in verse 16, we see this other places. Let me just give you a few of these to help us understand what else he says about the body. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of Another. 1 Corinthians 12 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We, the body, must be focused. We have been fused. We are functional. And so, why? This unity. Why unity this way? Why unity that stems from Christ? Because true spiritual growth cannot happen apart from the body of Christ. Lone Ranger Christians are baby Christians. They do not mature. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot grow up into Christ on our own. We cannot be united together on our own. Our spiritual growth 
growing in the Lord cannot happen and must not happen apart from the body of Christ. I want to say a side note about this because I think it's important. This idea that our spiritual growth cannot happen apart from the church. I'm afraid because this is something that I see happening in young people's lives. I see that they do not understand what the body of Christ is all about. They do not see the importance of the church. They do not see the importance of speaking the truth in love in this community. And unfortunately, it happens when, when children leave the house that they do not enter into a local body as they should. That they do not are not effectively engaged in the body as they should be. And yet they think they still can grow. Spiritual growth happens in the body of Christ. We must be engaging in that local body, serving in in this local body, dedicated to this local body, and using our spiritual gifts among this local body. This, This idea here in verse 16, when each part is working properly. Look at those words, working properly. properly. This idea of working is the English word that we get for energy. There's this energy that's taking place in the body of Christ. And specifically in the Greek, this energy denotes a superhuman energy. Yes, the body does work. Yes, the body does minister. But it's God's energy in the believer. It's Christ working in us so that we might minister. So that we might speak the truth in love. So that the body is unified and built up. What happens when the body is working properly? It grows. When it's working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It builds itself up in love. It edifies itself in love. Love is what helps, the, love is what helps build the strong foundation. It has been said that love is the circulatory system of the body of Christ. Love is the circulatory system of the, of the body of Christ. Love is what should run in our veins as Christians. Love is what bleeds when the body is cut. Being built up in love is seen in our action. It is an action of uh, promoting another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. Turn with me to John 13, 34, just quickly. John 13, 34 through 35. There Christ gives a new commandment, as he calls it. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Being built up in love distinguishes us as Christ's disciples. 
Our love as the body of Christ looks different than that of the world's. Our fellowship and interaction with each other must reflect heavenly, divine love. Love like that of a father who gives his only son to die on a cross for sinners and raise that son from the dead so that people might share in his life. We grow so that we build, so that we're built up in love. Love like this demands that we give all that we are. So, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into Christ who unifies us together so that we are built up in love. Not only do we see our responsibility in this passage, we get a view of Christ's glory as He transforms, unifies, and works within the church body. Look at Ephesians 4, 15, 16. How are we doing with this? How are we? Are we speaking the truth in love? Is there some way in your life that you have not done this? Is there some way in your life you could do this better? Yes. <laughs> yes. Are we spurring one another to Christ-likeness in every thought, word, and deed? Are we pointing people toward Jesus Christ? Are we loving the church in such a way because we see Christ's great love for the church and are we willing to take these truths and bind them to our hearts completely committed to glorifying Christ together as one body may we as the body of Christ see Christ's superior role which he plays in our church as the head. And may we see our responsibility that he has given us to speak the truth in love to one another. And may we be unified. And may we stand strong for the cause, for the glory of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I want to close with A simple quote from John Calvin. He says, If we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. Let's pray together.